Uh, if you were here last week, we talked about how we are entering in a couple of weeks the season of Lent. And Lent is really about six weeks leading up to Easter. It's a time to reflect on the Easter event, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a time to recalibrate our own lives. And I threw out a challenge last week for those of you that were here and those of you that weren't here, you don't get to miss out on it. Let me just quickly review. It was for the six weeks of Lent leading up to Easter, we're committing as a church for each of us to have at least a 20-minute connecting time with God each day. It's a basic spiritual discipline. It's not the answer to the mysteries of the universe, but it will be something that helps you connect with God. And six weeks is a good amount of time to put something like that in place in your life that will become a habit for the rest of the year. So if you're not already in this discipline, think about starting up a time, think of a time, think of a place, uh, think of things that you can do in that time, and we have a whole sheet that has ideas for you of what you can do in that time, the way that you can study the Bible, the way you can use uh, prayer in that worship, confession, listening to God, all of those different things that can be incorporated into that time. Those sheets are available out the back. There are journals still available. We talked about journaling last week as an opportunity for you to record some of what you're learning, some scriptures that God places on your heart. But if you haven't yet committed to that, keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about what's my time of day going to be? How's it going to work? Have those conversations because we'll keep talking about it. And talk about it in your life groups too. Bring it up again. Hey, who's, who's found out a time they can have? Is anybody doing this? Who's not? Let's figure it out. So this is going to be a journey that we go on as a church. Now, the second part of that puzzle is the challenge that I want to give you today, and it's a little bit different. This idea we talked of last week of connecting with God is part of uh, what it means to walk in the Spirit, but it's only part of it, because God fundamentally designed us to connect with Him, not just as individuals, but in community. He designed us to connect with Him, with others. This last week, Wednesday night, uh, we had an elders meeting, and I was running a bit late for this elders meeting. I, it was at uh, Dez and Andrea Glass's house uh, in Torbay, and I, I, I hate running late for meetings. Punctuality is my top virtue. And I, so, but I was five minutes late, and the, all, everyone else was there. I pulled up to the house. I was in such a, a mad rush. I ran to the door. I had my briefcase in one hand, this folder under my arm, and I banged on the door, and I couldn't hear anything inside. Banged a couple of times, couldn't hear anyone. And I know that at Dez's place, the meeting area is way down the back of the house. So I thought that probably already started, and they just can't hear me. So I opened the door a little bit and stuck my head around and said, uh, hello, anybody there? Hello, hello, and still didn't hear anything. So I thought, oh, look, I'm just going to go on through. I know the glasses pretty well. They're, they're good people. So I, I went inside into the little foyer area and uh, took off my shoes. Uh, there was a few sets of shoes there, so I thought, well, this will be fine. Just took the shoes off. And, uh, and then I just wandered down the hallway towards where they were meeting. And I got about halfway through this house into the full-on lounge living area when this random guy walked out. And, and he says, uh, hello? <laughs> and, and, and I looked at him and I, I still didn't quite click. You know, I thought, well, maybe he's a friend of Dez's or something like that. So I said, oh, where's the meeting? Where are the guys meeting? And he said, uh, what, what meeting? What, what, what guys are you talking about? And then it all dawned on me, you know, I have the complete wrong address here. This house was two houses up from where I was supposed to be. 
So then I'm just in backpedaling mode, you know, I'm like backing out towards the, I'm really, really sorry, mate, I'm so sorry, this, this is really embarrassing. And I mean, luckily he was incredibly chilled out. He was just like, yeah, whatever, don't worry about it, it's fine. And so I went back, and I had to stop at the door and put my shoes on again. And at which point someone else arrives at the house. Someone who was meant to be there. Uh, this, this woman looked like his girlfriend or something. She comes in, then she's giving me this strange look. And I said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm not supposed to be here. I, just gonna put my shoes on and leave and you probably are supposed to be here so I'm just gonna let you come in and oh man so I have never been so embarrassed in all my life I tell you but I can tell you Des does have some nice neighbors if you ever if you ever want to meet them they're very nice people so um, that has no relevance to anything that that I'm talking about this morning but I'm gonna try and give it one um, maybe maybe it's a metaphor for the way some of you feel about being at shore, that you feel like you're standing in the middle of someone else's house. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, this is true. There is actually a point to the story. Um, I think I've had enough conversations with many of you to know that that's kind of a feeling that a lot of people can have in churches, is you feel like you're trying to do the right things and you're coming along on Sunday mornings and you're trying to connect with people and you're doing the stuff, but you still sit here maybe with a feeling that you're in the middle of someone else's house. It's not really that familiar. These don't really feel like your people. This doesn't really feel like your team that much. And you're not quite sure how to, how to fix that. You're trying to make it work. And community, you know, it's a messy thing. There's no quick fix solution. Uh, I remember when Anna and I started coming to this church and we joined a life group and we, I was in an accountability group for a while and uh, we were in the ministry team and those were all good things but even then it didn't sort it all out, it didn't fix everything and I remember a conversation we had 18 months after we started coming to shore, we sat down one day and said should we keep coming or not? Um, we, would, we just weren't feeling it, we, we weren't feeling like we'd really made deep friendships and that uh, we love the church, we love the services but we just thought man it's feeling like we're, like we're sitting or standing in someone else's house. And uh, many of you, I think, feel like that. Some of you have been here long enough and you're part of the furniture, but, but uh, it's a common experience. Community is a tough thing, uh, but it's so important. And I think part of the reason it's really difficult is because there's this traditional way of thinking about community in local churches, which goes like this. The way to get community is that we get everyone into these tiny little clusters of people and then you're going to share everything about your life and just let it all hang out, spill your guts, tell everyone your top 10 sins, feel good about it afterwards and then we're going to have community. You know, and we put all this emphasis on these really, really intimate gatherings and, and sort of put the guilts on everybody to just spill it, man, spill, come on, what are you struggling with? There's got to be more than that. And, uh, then, and then we sort of feel like, oh, that's very therapeutic. You know, now we can all feel, you know, now we can consider ourselves in community. Uh, and that makes people feel guilty and it makes people feel awkward and it's not the whole thing. I mean, those groups uh, can be great, but to put all your eggs in that basket is pretty faulty thinking. I read a book a couple of years ago by a guy called Joseph Myers. It's called The Search to Belong. And it really changed the way that I think about a lot of this stuff. He actually favors the word belonging over community, which I really like because belonging, I think, is, 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 is a more emotive word maybe. It really captures that sense of we all want to belong. Everybody wants somewhere and some people that they can belong to. And these days people are saying, you know, it's more about belonging than it is believing. You know, people want to belong before they'll believe a certain thing. They want community and then they'll be prepared to think about what you're actually um, teaching or, or, or what you believe. That idea of belonging, and it's not just a Christian need, this is a human need. 
every single person deep within longs for a sense of belonging. And Joseph Myers says that we as humans have different needs when it comes to belonging. We need to belong in different ways. And he has these four spaces. He conceptualizes it as, as physical space, these four spaces in which people need to belong. And uh, with due credit to Joseph Myers, I'm going to just talk about these four spaces in the context of our church and talk to you about how we can belong in each of them because it's not just about one group that you can get into that's going to solve all your problems. It's not just about one person you meet that's suddenly going to make you feel connected in the church. There's four different ways in which each of us need to belong. The first type of belonging or the first space is public space. Now, when I was a teenager, I used to get down to Parachute, Parachute Music Festival, and one year, my favorite band in the whole world was at Parachute, DC Talk. Anybody a DC Talk fan? DC Talk. They were great. So I went down to Parachute, and uh, I was right at the edge of the crowd uh, before we were let in at the gates. You know, I was right up against it, just ready to run. They let the gates open. Everybody just charged in, and I was at the front center of the stage the whole night, 5,000 people, which was a big crowd in those days for a Christian concert in New Zealand. And there we were all night at this DC Talk concert, jumping away, and when Toby Mac stage dived, I even touched his arm. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, it was an incredible night. Now, here's the deal. Here's the point. I, I don't have a clue. I could not tell you who I was standing next to in that concert. I've got no idea, and I didn't keep in touch with anybody. You don't introduce yourself at those kinds of things. You just mosh <laughs> together. But there was that night such an energy in the crowd and such a sense of unity. That's what public belonging is about. It's not about knowing the names of the person sitting next to you so much as it is about a sense of common solidarity because you're sharing together in this incredible experience. Now, at Shaw, these gatherings can generate that sense of belonging. And while it's a great thing to introduce yourself to the person sitting next to you, the very fact that we are here and we're gathered around the cross of, of Christ, the fact that we are taking the Lord's Supper together, the very fact that right now I'm, I'm talking and, and, and teaching these things and, and you're listening and we're kind of together in this deal, this right now, right here, gives us a sense of belonging. And this is part of what we need. We, we often think this isn't really community, this doesn't really count in that basket. This is a fundamental human need, public belonging, where you are in large contexts, where you are sharing experiences and, and sensing affinity and sensing solidarity with other people because you're there for a common purpose and you're there for the same reason and your hearts are like beating together. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's those worship times here and you've sensed them and I've sensed them where there's just that sense of God's spirit and we feel there is such a unity in this place and we're all one even if you don't know each other's names. That's public belonging. That's a fundamental part of what it means to build community within a church, within any group of people. That's why we encourage you to make these gatherings on Sunday mornings a priority because you need that type of belonging and other people need you to be here for that type of belonging. That's why this year we, we encourage you, I challenge you, I invite you to, to make these times, these services a real priority, not because you have to and not because you're guilt-ridden and not out of obligation because it's all about grace at the end of the day, but because you desire to be in community with God's people. And this is part of it. This public sense of belonging is part of it. And the only real way to do that, I think, is to decide beforehand that that's what you're going to do so that it doesn't depend on what the weather's like on Sunday morning. 
and it doesn't depend on how ratty the kids are, and it doesn't depend on how late you stayed out last night and how tired you are. It depends on a decision you made ahead of time and said, this is going to be a priority. This is how uh, our family is going to work. This is how my life will be. And these times on Sunday mornings, they are non-negotiable. I'm going to be there because I value this type of community. I value this public belonging. So this is the first sphere that Myers talks about, that sense of public belonging. In the context of a local church, that's largely the Sunday gatherings or, or, or those kind of public contexts. There is a second type, though, and this is what he calls social space. The public space and then social space. Social space, the best picture I can put in your minds to, to describe this is the classic Kiwi barbecue. You're all standing around on somebody's deck outside. Someone's cooking the sausages, the steak, the chicken. People are standing around. You've got a drink in your hand, maybe. You're chatting. You're telling stories. You're cracking jokes. It's casual. It's social. It's fun. There's community. That's social space. See, often in the church, we don't value that very much because we think that it's not really community unless you're having a, quote, spiritual conversation. That unless you're talking about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, uh, somehow it doesn't really count. It's not really spiritual. Well, the reality is everything is spiritual, and we need that hangout space just as much as every other type of space. We need, as a church, to be just chilling with each other, just hanging out, just socializing with each other. These are times when you don't have to divulge your top ten sins. You don't have to share your entire family background and bring out the photos. And you just... You're just chatting. You're just talking, and that's okay. Don't put too much pressure on yourselves in social contexts to have to go really, really, really deep or else you're not a real Christian. No, just enjoy hanging out with each other. Can we do that? Do you actually like each other at all? Not really. No, okay. So we're on a bit of a journey with this, but, but, but hanging out is good. And one of the things that happens on Sunday morning is right now we have public space, and when the service ends, it shifts to social space because then you're interacting and you're having coffee and you're sharing life and you're giving like a little snapshot of yourself, but it's only a snapshot and that's fine. But you're hanging out. We have men's ministry events and women's ministry events. Our young adults have coast events. Our youth have Friday night gatherings. All of these are social contexts within the life of the church. And the beauty of them is that they are pools from which you can identify another person or another group of people with whom you might want to cultivate a deeper relationship. And you can start sensing that affinity. Is this going to be someone that maybe I could connect with outside of this environment? Maybe I could have them over for dinner, or maybe I'll look them out next time I'm at church and see if this might go somewhere. They're like fishing pools from which closer relationships might develop. So don't undervalue those social spaces. One of the uh, options that you've got on that flyer that you got when you came in this morning is an option which asks you, are you part of any informal group in the church, any form, informal social group that you wouldn't mind opening up to other people. Now, our women's ministry are already focused on this, and they're going to have a whole program called Girlfriends, which will be uh, social events, informal interest-based groups for women. But we as a whole church recognize that's a pretty good strategy because it, it doesn't work just to keep running social events at a whole church level and just expecting people all the time to come. Much better, I think, to try and use things that you're already doing things that you're already interested in and already got a few people that are doing, and then potentially say, is there a way we could open this up to other people in the church? So if you're doing something, biking, uh, knitting, running, whatever it is, 
movies, cafe nights, and, and, and there's a few of you, maybe people from outside the church, and you think, you know, we, we could actually open this up. We could make this available to some other people from the church to come along. That could be good. Then would you write it in on that flyer? And this is where we're starting to get a little bit more, uh, taking that mask off a little bit more, letting our guard down a little bit more, letting people see the real us a little bit more, being a bit more open, being a bit more vulnerable, disclosing a little bit more about ourselves, being prepared to have someone else pray for us, being prepared to pray for someone else, getting to know people at a slightly different level, letting them know us at a slightly different level. It seems to me that we all want this, but very few of us uh, do what is necessary to really achieve it. I think there's a deep longing for this kind of community. We want a place that's safe for us to be real. We want to be able to share our highs and our lows and our hurts and our fears as well as our joys and have people come around us. I think deep within us we're longing for that. But, but so often we're, we're content just to leave it on the surface level and, and be content with what people call pseudo-community, just this kind of fakey-fakey, superficial, shallow conversations. And even in our life groups, which is the primary place where this personal space can happen, you can't assume that just because you're in a life group it's automatically going to achieve this idea of personal space. Because a lot of life groups just stay at the social level. A lot of life groups just stay at that very shallow level where we're just talking about life and the weather and so on. And while that's good, the idea of those groups in our church is for you to drill down a little bit more and for you to push past just the textbook answers. It's so easy, and I've, I've done it myself, and I've seen it in life groups. You're sitting around... And, and there's questions that are asked, and there's always a textbook answer, isn't there? I mean, they say, you know, the answer to everything is Jesus. You know, just say Jesus enough times and you'll probably get the right answer. And we just, you can, you can reel it off, can't you? You know, the churchy Sunday school answers. What I'm challenging you to do, those of you that are in life groups, those of you that are leading life groups this year, is push past all that. Push towards something that's real. And it means being prepared to put yourself out there a little bit more. It means being prepared to open up just a little bit more, especially those of you that are leading life groups. It's always the case, speed of the leader, speed of the team. You know, you will set the pace with this stuff by the ability that you have to be able to open up and really put your life out there and say, here's who I am, here's the stuff that I'm struggling with. And being a bit vulnerable and being a little bit open. And you'll find over time that the rewards of that type of community are huge. You find people to connect with, you find that you're able to go to a deeper level. And so the challenge is to push past social space and push into that personal space. That's why life groups are so vital in our church. And while it may not be everybody's cup of tea, these groups inhabit that personal space. That's what they're there for. It's a group of around 10 people. They meet together mainly weekly. There's almost always some food involved, which is a good thing. Uh, there's prayer, there's uh, maybe studying the Bible or another a, a book or something like that, talking together, praying together, these kinds of things. If you're not in one of these groups, that is something that I pray this year you would think about. And if you can't get to one, maybe you've got young kids and, and you just both can't get out or one of you can't get out, then would you let us know and we are more than willing to look at other ways of trying to make this stuff work. But, to, but still tick that box on your, on your form which says, yes, I want to join a life group, and we'll get back to you and we'll say, how can we help you make this work, get a good fit with a group? You don't have to stick in the first one that you're at. If it's just not feeling right, try another one. But this is a step you can take. 
This is a way that you can start getting connected with people. It always takes you to take a step forward, as well as the church taking a step towards you. We're all the church. We're all responsible for moving together towards these types of communities. So think about that. Tick that box on your, on your flyer. Yes, I want to join a life group this year. And that final space, that final community space, that final space of belonging is intimate space. And I know that word scares a lot of you, intimate space. This is the kind of space that exists. Well, it exists within a marriage relationship. Those of you that are married, hopefully, have this kind of intimate space. But there is so much value in men and women having another guy or another woman that you can connect with on a deep level and really share your life with that's not your husband and wife. Someone that, that, that a guy would have another guy or, or, or a couple of other guys that you could meet with. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, that when we really rub our lives up against each other, there is that sharpening, that spiritual sharpening effect that takes place. And this can really accelerate your own growth and your own sense of community by having one or two other people that you can really get down to that level of complete, uh, brutal honesty with. Start asking each other the hard questions. There's a few ways, a few forms that these relationships can take. One is an accountability relationship. This is when you, it's like peer accountability. You have another one or two or three, wouldn't get more than three people, that are kind of at the same point roughly as you on the journey of faith, people that you get on well with, you've sensed some affinity with, and you meet together simply to encourage each other, to ask each other a few difficult questions about your life. And sometimes, I know especially for guys, it doesn't come naturally for us. I've been in an accountability group where we actually had the questions pre-written because we knew otherwise we're going to drift back up to social space. So we had the questions, and every week we'd ask each other these questions, and they were a bit awkward, and they, they required us to be honest with each other. But if you're prepared to commit to that, there can be that sharpening, there can be that encouragement. Now, there is a caveat with this. Accountability in and of itself doesn't cause growth. You can sit around with a group of other people and spill your guts and let it all come out and then walk away and nothing's changed. Accountability only works if at the end of that conversation when you say, man, you know, I've really screwed up and this is where I'm at, someone else says, now, how can we help you move forward? A group where there is grace, a group where there is forgiveness, a group where there is acceptance, but where there is also fundamentally the desire of brothers and sisters around you who will say, let us help you move forward. Let us help you figure out where you went wrong here so that you can make a positive change in your life. What can we put in place? Can we call you? Can we, can, you know, we, do you want to let us know when this is happening? This is, I tell you, Alcoholics Anonymous got this figured out. You know, they're doing it better than the church a lot of the time. You join AA, the first thing you're going to do is get a mentor or get a support person. And that person is available to you 24-7. That any time you're in a tough spot, any time you are tempted with an addiction or a habit or whatever it is, that person is there. You can call them any day or night. And, and they will just talk you through it. They'll stay on the phone with you all night if they have to. They'll come around. They'll be at your place. These kinds of situations, that kind of community is so rich and so fruitful if we would open ourselves up to it. So accountability relationships. And then you have this idea of discipling. This is where you have someone who's a little bit further along the journey than you take you under their wing. And it's a little bit more of a, of a shepherd-sheep or a teacher-student relationship, they're really there to invest in you. 
Bible says if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. So I would find someone who has wisdom in your, in your eyes, who you respect as a brother or sister in Christ, and, and ask them, would you spend a bit of time with me this year, meet with me maybe occasionally, and just pour into my life, invest in me, tell me what, you know, guide me and, and, and help me to see uh, wisdom in some of the things that I'm dealing with. And if you are someone who is a mature Christian, whether or not you'd, you'd admit that, think about having someone else that you could take under your wing this year, that you could invest and spend a bit of time in. This is not an age thing. Now, our teenagers, who will be here in the second service, they are already discipling our primary school-aged children through being super kids leaders. They're out there with your kids right now in small huddles, and this is exactly what they're doing. They're investing their lives. Sure, they've got a lot to, to learn. Sure, they're young in the journey as well, but they can, in a simple way, guide and lead and encourage and teach those who are coming up behind them. Every generation can do this for the generation before them. The Bible says, let one generation declare your works to the next. This is about reaching behind you and leaving a legacy that you find someone, two people, three people, and, and say, I, could I meet with you this year? Not because I've got it all figured out, but because I just want to invest, I want to pour myself into you. Now, it is possible to have these three types of relationships all going at the same time. You could have someone who is a mentor to you. You could have an accountability relationship on a peer level. And you could have someone that you're reaching down and helping them along. But you have to be realistic about it. And while some of you might be able to bite off all three, probably most of you can't because that's a lot of time. So what I would encourage you to do is to find one way of getting into that type of relationship. Maybe it's getting a mentor. Maybe it's being a discipler. Maybe it's starting an accountability relationship with someone else. Jill Shaw is our discipleship and spiritual formation coordinator at Shaw. If you tick one of those two last boxes on that flyer that say, yes, I want an accountability relationship, or yes, I would like to be discipled or be a discipler, uh, she will come back to you or someone will come back to you and start helping you work this stuff out. It is not a matchmaking service. It is not a case of saying, well, you and you, go, make it work. I mean, this stuff, you know, it's organic. It just takes good chemistry. It might just be that we make an introduction and you just see if it's working and if it's not, nobody's feelings are hurt. You just see how you go. If you already know someone that you could approach on one of these levels and just make it happen, that's fine, do that. But if you could still flick us an email and let us know that you're underway so that we know and we can pray for you and we can help provide resources if that's what you need. I would love to see this church develop a whole web, a whole network that every morning uh, cafes and restaurants and Denny's across the North Shore would be full of the buzz of conversation, people praying together, people talking together from our church about life, getting into each other's lives and really getting to that level. Now, stepping back from all this, as we wrap up, Joseph Myers says this, all belonging is significant. Healthy community, the goal that humankind has sought since the beginning, is achieved when we hold harmonious connections within all four spaces. So it's not just about the intimate space, although that's important. It's not just about any one space. It is about having harmonious connections within all four spaces. So here's my challenge to you. Think about those four spaces within the context of your life. And ask yourself, is there one of those spaces right now where I don't have harmonious connections? Maybe it's the public gatherings that, that you're just out of step with and you're not really here much. Maybe for you, regular church attendance means one in four. 
And this is the year you're going to say, I'm, I'm going to make a covenant. I'm going to be here. I know there's, there's things that will come up, but I'll be here whenever I possibly can. Maybe it's social space, stepping into those contexts, taking advantage of the events that come along. Coming to church camp would be a great start. Huge social space across a whole weekend for you to enjoy. Maybe it's personal space, saying, I want to cultivate those relationships this year. I'm going to invest myself in a life group, or I'm going to help make my life group the best that it can be, or the coffee group that I'm in or whatever it is, whatever context. Or maybe it's the intimate space. You say, I need one person this year, like a running partner, a spiritual running partner. We're going to sharpen each other. We're going to get fit spiritually together, and I'm going to develop that type of community. Think about what it is and prayerfully consider how you can plug that gap. And, and the challenge is that during the season of Lent, you take whatever steps you need to. You have the phone calls. You send the email. You send the text. You tick the box, and you get those relationships established so that by Easter, you have harmonious connections in all four spaces. And then, it's not a cure-all and it's not a quick fix, but over time, you will begin to feel not like you're standing in the middle of someone else's house, but like you're standing in the middle of your own house. And you start to have that feeling, these are my people. This is my tribe. This is my team. I belong. And that's community. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shaw Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90 30 90. To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.